This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Understand the big picture. Without self-care, you end up running on empty and you cannot care for or give to others from an empty cup. Valeria Tellez interviews Ellen Costa, the author of Self-Care Isn't Selfish. The art and science of caring for yourself is the basis for a woman's wellness in all facets of life. Born in Brazil, Ellen is a Hong Kong resident who now lives in Dublin with her husband and twins, Moa and Lua, a boy and a girl. She had previously been living and traveling abroad throughout Asia and Europe for over 15 years. As a former fashion model and performing artist, Ellen has developed her fitness career based on her own experiences with body image and nourishment. And after spending three months in India to study yoga, she made a big switch in her career and has over the years been guiding and coaching men and women from around the globe through important life transitions. Her biggest vision is to help women find the time and space they need to prioritize themselves, which will consequently affect positively the lives of everyone around them, their families, relationships, work, and their health. She creates bespoke programs for individuals and companies that are interested in the wellness of their collaborators. She has also created the Goddess Academy exclusively for women, is the founder of Holistic Wellness Tantra, and has just published her first book, Self-Care Isn't Selfish. Meet Ellen at ellencosta.com. Here is the interview with Ellen Costa. In your own words, who is Ellen Costa? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's already like, okay, I like. Um, Ellen Costa is a really passionate girl. Is still trying to grow up, trying to adult. Um, even though I am 36 years old, is it 36 or 37? I forget. It doesn't matter. But I feel like it's been a journey to just um, leave the body of a a girl that's very playful, that is curious, that wants to figure out how to be very happy and uh, just have enjoyed the world and life. And at the same time, have responsibilities in a way that she can get through with things and uh, be be okay in her environment, in her social environment, in the professional environment, is to um, respond to the, the expectations that others have 
without having to lose completely that playfulness life that's what makes life fun so really ellen costa is on the journey of balancing things and i think that's what everyone is trying to do so one question that i usually ask my guests is about balance is is balance this a destination or this dance this movement this back and forth movement toward the center would you say that that's a destination or a movement i'll go for movement because um if if you think of it as a destination then you have to uh it's a statement of okay this is where i'm gonna go and this is exactly what i'm going to be but the fact is we don't know we are we are ever changing and you are something now and you think certain things now and you think that certain things now make you happy and that could change in a few years or just because of a situation of like now we are going we went through this pandemic and everyone thought even i i made huge plans and it didn't go that way other things happened that were also amazing but nothing that i planned happened and that changed me forever so we have to take that in consideration and balance will change as well with <laughs> so true yes i agree a thousand percent and i hear wisdom i also feel as a as a movement it's not nothing is a destination really what do you want from life at this time right now i they, i have <laughs> i have things that are very um daily day to day expectations and i have bigger vision expectations right um day to day it's pretty much i just want more time and uh reconnection with my husband really that's one thing like just an example right day to day like i know that we have about um time and uh the like the situation how the world is right now has put us in a in in such a life way that i i really miss that reconnection with him but i know we can get it and on a bigger vision i just i oh, this is going to sound like every coach there but in fact I, that's that's the goal of anyone who works with with humanity is that i really wish that i can inspire and be a medium of transformation for other people as well my next question has to do with your work uh, self care and something that i'm very passionate about which is self love so what is self love to you and do you feel self love is the same thing as self care or they are somehow different okay so um if i can answer this as short as possible i am a tantra teacher right valeria and uh, tantra from the lineage that i teach is a lot focused on the individual more than anything else that everyone has heard about tantra so i'm talking a little bit about tantra and in tantra what we learn first and foremost is is that if you are not full yourself is not absolutely full of love compassion abundance 
everything. Uh, can you imagine, like, without limits, can you just imagine what could be the best things that you could ever have? Just you, not thinking of family or anyone else, just you. Just think, like, nothing could stop me if never I had learned of, of what limitations were. What could I set myself off for? And then when you think of how much you could get and how, uh, like, all the possibilities, and then how you can nurture yourself in, in order to, to shoot for the stars, I'd like to say. So just the amount of love and, and care and abundance and um, desires, anything that's good that you have for yourself from that place, right, then is that you can give. So that's how we see it. So in Tantra, we need to learn um, that self-care is priority number one, and it's not separate from self-love. It's, it, it's, it's like the same discipline. So self-care, self-love, um, you know, uh, just boundaries as well, oh. healthy boundaries, they're all connected. I often ask the question about unconditional self-love. Do you also relate the Tantra teachings to unconditional self-love? Yes, but uh, it, actually on my book, I, I speak about unconditional just because it's a word that we learned. But first, when we learned about unconditional love, we learned from, um, from a different position. We learned from like the unconditional love of a mother to the child, the unconditional love of uh, the, the, the person to another person that you need to accept the other person from unconditional love. So it's, it was never thought from like, you need to unconditionally love yourself because that would sound selfish, which is exactly the opposite of what we learn. We learn that if you if you look too much to yourself and to your well-being without considering others, but you see there is a tweak there. Of course, we're going to consider others. Of course, we are going to be relatively responsible for our actions towards others. But the fact that you focus on you, on your well-being, is never selfish. So the way we thought, we were we were taught unconditional love was not that I know it was never coming from unconditional self-love. I never heard that expression even. So, and then we don't need because the unconditional world, it's, uh, doesn't need to be there. You know, it, uh, self-love is self-love just like self is self. It, it, so yeah, unconditional you, we can scrap that word, really. It doesn't need to be there. Unless you want to really, um, if someone is extremely conditioned and you want to just um, sort of picture to them, to help them, <laughs> then, then you can use the word because that's what they know, right? But there's <laughs> no need. Self-love is on itself already whole. The title of your book, uh, Self-Care Isn't Selfish. So the art and science of caring for yourself is the basis for a woman's wellness in all facets of life. 
you just mentioned now, talked about selfishness that we do confuse, or some people do. So would you say that this is the greatest misconception about self-love or are there other misconceptions that we are not aware of? Um, I think that it is, um, and I, I don't want to go there because say that you have a question about it. <laughs> it goes back to boundaries. Mm, you know, yeah. because, uh, you, you know how this yeah. is. So because of my work and I wanted to, I had the book to uh, be supportive of my work and so that people could have something there that now they will have a physical book as well. So the process of having this book, it's a long process and how you choose why you, what's the topic, right? That you think it's going to be not only important to people, but also catch their eyes, right? But in my line of work, I could have, I could really have uh, brought forth other aspects. One, for instance, which is boundaries. And usually when I am going to talk about self-care and I am actually uh, collaborating with another uh, friend of mine who is an amazing coach and she's doing a, a self-care course. And I decided not to do any courses because there's already so much going on, but I am working on her and I present a workshop that talks about boundaries right before the students do her self-care course. Why? Because um, self-care, it's something now that's become big, especially with the pandemic, with people being in lockdowns, not knowing what to do with that time where before there were so many distractions and they didn't realize the importance of self-care, but now they do. So I think we need to agree self-care um, is a, it's a, Thing now everyone knows that they need to pay more attention to their inner care but sometimes uh people like oh but how like why cannot why can't i do self-care what stands on the way yeah and it goes back to boundaries uh yeah that's a, a topic that we <clears throat> i mentioned off record and I have been talking to another guest too about it. So, yeah, since you mentioned, we are already talking about that. Saying no, why is that such a huge challenge for most of us, especially women? It has been my challenge. Um, I have a big part of it is it's a really uh, cultural thing. It, it's, it comes from even generations. Like, so we have conditioned and it's become the norm and it's interesting like uh i do agree with you when you say that for women it is a big thing but it really affects both ways both men and women but i agree with you just because us as women and between ourselves it comes from our mothers even like we that's how we are um and I had this conversation with my sister and she was begging of me to please be careful when you use the manipulation. But I can't. I can't because that is exa that's exactly what it is. And it might not be with the intention of causing harm, but that's the only way that we were taught that we get things done our way through manipulation. 
And there's another conversation going back to Tantra as well. When we talk about boundaries in, in, in Tantra, um, there is, because there are so many types of boundaries, right? There is a spiritual boundaries, there is physical, emotional, there is uh, legal boundaries and the legal boundaries are the ones that are easier for us to, to comply with, because if we don't, we go to jail. <laughs> True. That's the easiest but, right. <laughs> but um, the thing is that manipulating is a way that um, we, that's the first way of breaking or, or pushing the boundaries that we learn. And it's almost okay, especially for, for us as women. So that we, we already learned from childhood, so we carry that throughout our lives. And we feel guilty. And even like because we want to be loved, right? We want to be accepted as well in different degrees, right? But so when you have a loved one that is asking something, even if it's not really what we want, but um, sometimes it's easier to just go with it, even if we're not considering the long term. Um, the, the, the issues that that's going to bring in the long term. But at that very moment, um, it's more comfortable to just go with it than to say a clear no. But that it's only a matter of practice as well. It's because we were conditioned in a way, so we have to practice to practice it the other way. And then it's, then it becomes easy, you know, because that's what happened to me. That was my story basically. So, yeah. So we all, yeah, we might all have a story to tell when it comes to that. Yeah. And you're right about generations. My own mother too. Um, I have seen her always working. I think I never saw her really resting, <laughs> was always working. Although she did uh, dress really well and um, went to visit her sisters and all. But Wow, what an interesting journey. So we are, in a way, returning to truth, to how we are supposed to be acting or behaving since the beginning, but we have learned all the dangerous ways of being. I'll be asking you questions about those strategies in a moment, Alan. I do have a few more warm-up questions for you. I guess I'll ask, yeah, let me ask you this one. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Uh, we are in this world for the relationships. We're here for the relationships, all of them, right? And it, it, that's general. And it's um, when I say loving relationships, it's really uh, all the family ones and and professional ones, and our relationship, even with our abundance, and uh, of course with um, uh, the man or the woman that we love. Um, yes. Wow. So it's learning to love. What a beautiful purpose to have, to be aware of, right? So two questions for you that relate to being a female in a human body. What do you love most about being a woman? And that's a really tough question. <laughs> because, mm -hmm. uh, that is... And it goes back to my, to, I think the first question that you, you, you asked me, it has been still my journey of 
finding and accepting the 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 woman uh, in me because and nowadays it's so it's even more more um interesting to talk about this because when we're talking about being a woman and feminine energy is something else it doesn't mean woman in the sense of the word right so I try to separate those things because we all, all of us have the essence of feminine and masculine energies in our, in our lives. I am now a woman identified female in a, in a female body with a very strong masculine energy, very strong. And not only that, I have, um, I had really a breakthrough uh, during motherhood, which is very interesting that because before it has never been my dream to be a mother. I've never dreamed of being a mother. Didn't want, didn't wish for, didn't make plans. And uh, talking to one of my mentors back then, he he clarified to me, which is, was very interesting. He said, that one of my issues with motherhood and and the expression of the mother in me was because I had an issue with women overall. Not that I hated women, it wasn't that, but that I felt like women had failed. So I didn't look up to any women. I did not admire women. I was okay with being a woman in a female body. It, that wasn't like, that was fine. But like, I really had to uh, just figure out why, like, why did I feel like all women have failed? And that that's another, another story. But um, again, that's, Tantra helped me a lot on that. A lot of, uh, of these, uh, the therapies as well that, manipulate the feminine and masculine energy has helped me a lot with that that that's very interesting that you say that um yeah being disappointed with with women in general because feeling as if we have failed yeah that sounds like a great topic to talk about it now forever really i wouldn't mind another one Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Let's remember that. That's right. Okay. My next question that relates to being female in a human body is what is the most challenging aspect about being in a human body from your perspective in a woman's body? I apologize. Um, in that sense, which is, it's so amazing how like I have something else to say in the previous question and I don't want to get too long. And then the next question is exactly what I wanted. To say. It's perfect. So what the interesting fact is that even though unconsciously, because I didn't know that I had an issue with the fact that I felt like all women had failed that, you know, I, I needed that help to, to bring that forth. But I had always been very extremely comfortable in my physical body. Always, always. I am a dancer. So that was, now I don't know if the chicken or the egg. I don't know if right. I am a dancer. Very <laughs> comfortable with my, with my physicality, with my movement. Yeah. Or if I am very, very, very comfortable because I am a dancer. I, I actually don't know. Right. But, very, you know, my... my 
I was always very comfortable with my figure, even like do being naked, looking at myself in the mirror. And now like later I, I, I help my, my students with, um, my Tantra students to, to break certain blockages and patterns. And that's an exercise that I, I like them to do, which is, uh, to first start looking at themselves in the mirror, just like eye to eye, right? Look at your eyes in the mirror. So, because people do have a lot, um, that they hold back and it has to do with how comfortable they feel with themselves. And that's part of a self-care exercise as well that I usually tell people to, to start with, which is simply um, be comfortable with their physical bodies. And I think that was never, that was never an issue. I don't know if I inherited it, but um, dance, obviously just highlighted and I, I still encourage everyone, even who are not dancers, dance, move your body, move. For women, it's really important to move their hips. So in Brazil, we don't have that problem. <laughs> right. You know, Brazil we're naturally very tantric already and very expressive. There's no problem with that. And I encourage everyone from any culture, move your body. However, mm-hmm is the best way. So when you say about um, not being comfortable in our own bodies, why do you think that happens to most of us, especially women? Uh, Again, I think it's, this is so ancient, right? Um, And it was not in all cultures, but most cultures, we, we just were thought, or the women especially were thought that it was uh, not, a safe haven. It was sometimes it was a scene, and it's not beautiful. Um, it, it has to be covered. Don't talk about it. It's a uh, it's a it's a patriarchal society. There is no other way of saying it. I can't sugarcoat it. You know, it's a patriarchal society. It's a complete masculine. Um, we are in a complete masculine energy, masculine energy world. There is no balance. And when that happens, all that's, uh, all the, the feminine traits of, of life and of the, the earth even, it starts to be shut down. Do you think that this is changing, Ellen, at this time, especially with the events in 2020? Are we making any progress when it comes to bringing to earth the feminine energy? It has been very slowly, then a little more steadily. And I think now um, things are going to speed up. Yes. Mm, ah, and right. it has to, because otherwise as a planet, even the, but the planet Earth is not going to, to stay here for long if it doesn't change. It has to change. Yeah. There is no other way. <laughs> oh, that's great news. <laughs> Very. That's, what, that's what I believe. And I have to because I have uh, kids and I, I, I wish them to be in a, in a better world. As I mentioned earlier, the title of your book, Self-Care Isn't Selfish. Talk to me for a moment about how you became a writer and what was the main purpose of writing your book? Oh, great. Okay. Um First, I think that self-care is unselfish. Might really sound like a very bold, rebellious um, 
Yeah, it is. And um, I, I love that. But it does have a very deep uh, link to it. And a, the book actually came out by, it wasn't by accident, but I had another book that was supposed to be published first. So why I became a, a writer? Since I'm very young, I write a lot. Since I write, <laughs> since I learned how to write, I, I have my journal. When I was a little girl. I wrote every year, I bought a, a new journal and I wrote on it every day. I put there like the candy papers and told the stories, my first kiss or whatever. But um, uh, everything I would write and feelings as well. Because growing up, I had, um, I grew up in a very strict environment and I didn't have a lot of space for self-expression. So that was my way of self-expressing because I, I was always a very bubbly girl. And um I just know that my throughout my whole life, I believed, I read this somewhere probably, and then I believed that everyone should write a book in, in their lifetime. That I read that somewhere. I don't know where. Can't remember now. But that just stayed on me. I'm like, yeah, well, I would like to write a book one day. And years were passing, and um, I, I was a dancer. I traveled. I then became a fitness coach and then a, a life coach. And when you start going into the coaching industry, um, it's quite normal for you to share your work because it that would be a supportive system for you and your clients or your students. So I think that was when it started getting more concretized, the idea that I had a few things that I, I was writing and I had notes and um, I have written four books, but this was the first one published because of the need of our situation currently, but also because I was writing to myself um, notes and, and just things that I needed to remind myself because I really, 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 really struggled with my self-care for the like the past couple of years and it really aggravated in 2020. Uh, end of 2019 and uh i was i was i was in trouble i was really in trouble so i started writing the things that i was teaching people so that i could practice it myself <laughs> and by the start by the beginning of 2020 i had all this material and i had done a little bit of research and i think that i had a retreat I was doing a retreat and I, I was, I wrote first a, a smaller version of a self-care tips ebook and I, we gave it out to, to the clients. And after that retreat, that's when I had the idea, you know what, I think this is going to be a great piece of work for this year because I can see that now a lot of people are spending more time with nothing to do and not knowing what to do. Right. So anyways, that's, that's how the book came. <laughs> I do have a question for you that just came to mind about inspiration. Do you have anybody around you that it became an inspiration when it comes to self-love and self-care? Oh, wow. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. Um, I'm I have, first of all, I have a great support system yeah. in my family and friendships 
um, if I start throwing out names, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm scared I'm going to leave someone out. And if they ever listen to this and they're like, she didn't say my name. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I'm going to have to start by saying my, my husband, because he gives me the space Mm. and especially as women, as women, and I'm not going to go deep right now into this, but so many things in, as in womanhood could be solved. Let's go with that word solved. If we just had more time and space from from our loved ones, you know, starting from our partner, from our family, from our kids, from work, from everything. Women, we could just, we just do better. Even the higher achievers, even the, the doers, <laughs> it women just do so much better when they have time and space. So I have to say, um, I found a unicorn, my husband, and... <laughs> He, he he just gives me space. And sometimes I'm checking in with him like, ooh, like let's, you know, let's just catch up because uh, I love the space. I need it. And, um, and I, yeah, I'm very appreciative. Yeah, I love him so much for that. Everything could change, really, if women had more space, more time for themselves, yeah, to just relax and go deeper into their own intuition. Oh, I agree thousand percent so in your book you say something interesting you say i want to start by making it very clear that ignoring your needs and not taking care of yourself has serious physical emotional spiritual and lifestyle quality ramifications talk to me for a moment ellen about the consequences of not taking care of ourselves um well I think that now it has become a norm that we are stressed and we have burned out and we are moody. And if a woman is, is still having her, her cycle, but even if she is not on her cycle, like I'm talking about menopause, right? She will still have, the, uh, she will still suffer the effects, right? Which um, it's really the, the, the hormones, the, the chemistry in her body, her, her mind, the clarity of mind, and even diseases as well, like physical diseases. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm a therapist, but I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to be giving here diagnosis or anything like that. But um, it affects, those are the effects that we can we can recognize so clearly, but that now has, they just became normal. So people just treat it as in, well, yeah, she's sick. You know, she or he, I don't want to uh, exclude anyone. Yeah, they are sick. And that's already like considered um, a way of living. How, like, how we got to the point, I do not know. But now it, it, it is just like that. And maybe they go see a doctor. Maybe they, there is a treatment. Maybe there isn't. But I'm not even talking about the, day, the end of the days. But just the quality of life, happiness, waking up every day or even before going to bed every day, excited to get up the next day, 
because you cannot wait to wake up and leave the day. Where is that? That to me, the biggest of the, the consequences because people, uh, um, I get a little emotional, sorry. <laughs> but um, people are just leaving life, uh, literally going, I cannot wait to, do, to go to bed and sleep and be done with the day, be yeah. done with the year, be done with, right. with this and that. And that really doesn't resonate with what life is all about, right? Yeah. I don't even, uh, unfortunately, mm. I think most people have forgotten what a good life should feel like. Mm. Yeah, it is really sad to hear yeah, that truth, that anxiety and all these uh, negative states of mind, they have become a norm, become something that is normal, actually. That is a sad truth, very sad it truth. Becomes, it becomes a legacy. Mm. That is even the biggest issue because yeah. Uh, yeah. just as we were saying, the things that we carried from our ancestors, not right. to say directly our mothers, because they probably took that from their parents and their parents and grandparents and so forth, right? Yeah. So whatever we are going through and the consequences, the, the, the effects that are affecting us, they're affecting everyone and whoever is the, the the next in line or even if we don't have children, but anyone who gets in contact with us, they are affected as well. So true. We are collective. I mean, it's a, it's a deep understanding, I know, but it's what an important message and wonderful insight, an idea if we all can understand that, that we are affecting each other all the time so we can take more responsibility for our own physical, emotional, spiritual being. You know, it's not lives. I agree. And that takes me to the topic of blame, because that happens a lot, feeling guilt and also blaming others for whatever happens. Talk to me about that, how damaging that is. So um, if you, uh, I just want to understand the question. So yeah. if it's me, feels guilty or because I I don't have that that um, that time for myself then I start blaming others or, or external circumstances it seems like they are connected right Alan somehow the guilt and then the blame it's like almost this uh, it's a game a back and forth sort of game I like to think this way um I like to, it's not taking the blame for everything that happens, but I like to, anything that happens in life, anything, good or bad, I really uh, like to take the view of being responsible for it. Because that will put me in a situation where I can take action. It's not even about control, because some things are not, it's not about control. We can't control everything, but it's about, what action can I take about it? When I blame, when I pass on the blame and I'm taking the responsibility out of myself, it's a really tricky situation because then the only, the only option you have is to react. And, and like we know from, uh, I'd say physics, even when we learned that, 
when you're reacting, it's uh, you don't really know what's going to happen. And it's always a feeling of, uh, it's always going to be emptiness there. It's always going to be that feeling of emptiness because you, it was not your, um, your being consciously deciding, making a decision and deciding for what action you wanted to take next. So that's why blaming is, it's not going to help anybody. So if I don't have time to do my workouts, any, any time I, I can't blame my kids or I can't blame my husband because the house is dirty and uh, I, I need to cook dinner and there is laundry and everything is a mess and the babies want my attention. If I, if I stop blaming everything else, it's not gonna, what's good that come, comes out from that. I'm still not coming up with any solution or any options. Now, also, it's not taking the blame myself. It's the same thing if I'm taking the blame myself. It's still just blame. It doesn't, it doesn't help. And now, the other way, if I decide that I will do my workout today, 30 minutes. And because of that, someone or something is going to lose that time. Some dishes are not going to get done. The kids um, are probably going to have to stick them on the TV to watch some TV. Some, but, and then I feel guilty about it. But then I have to think of the, the, the better consequences. What are the good things about me doing the workout? Is the I committed to myself that I wanted to do workouts so that I could, you know, have better health and I could have better uh, hormones, the stamina. And um, I mean, even after that, even after doing my workouts, I will probably have more energy to go and play outside with the kids. And now, sorry to be giving those examples, Valeria, but this is exactly, those are my examples. This is what happens to me. These are decisions that I have to make every single day. So it's about taking responsibility. And I have done this. I'm going to stick the kids on TV for 30 minutes, even though a lot of people might say, oh, great parenting. I don't care. That's my decision. They're going to watch TV. I'll do my workouts. After that, uh, everything else gets done. It's amazing. You know? So it's a matter of like just really forget the guilt, forget the blame, and do what you that there's a list of things that you can learn that will make you feel better that will help your hormones it will help your mm-hmm. energy and um you just need to choose and commit yeah what a great message i absolutely love this idea of taking responsibility not feeling guilt is the same thing to me it feels the same feeling guilt for something or trying to blame others we're not getting anywhere right It's all about finding that awareness. So we're almost at the end of the interview and I have so many more questions here for you, way too many that I won't be able to ask. But I will point out some of the um, topics that I would love to discuss again, perhaps another opportunity. I love the way you connect mindfulness to self-awareness, which is a big one in the sense of gaining that empowerment, not control, as you said, I agree, but the sense of empowerment that you are able to make good choices. So mindfulness and self-awareness, they are so important. 
I love the way you have the self-care assessment test too. Very important way of knowing. So that's a great, great tip and perk in your book. And oh, and I love a lot of the phrase you say, of course, um, let go of perfection. It is exhausting and nobody is perfect. Life is too short. I love that. I hear a lot of wisdom here too. You say things like to be loved, you must give. And because you give, you must get love. This is a phrase, something that you use, I believe when related, I, I think I, if I remember well, I made, I make so many notes here. So there are many, and you give us so many strategies and way in your book, you have the 62 self-care ideas, which is wonderful. And I have to ask a question about it. <laughs> what is your favorite out of these 62 self-care ideas? Uh, and you know what? They keep changing a little bit. There are so many ideas. I just wanted to put the list there because some people uh, I have heard before people saying, I actually don't know what to do. And I'm like, oh, OK, let's just light up. the. <laughs> but um, right now, right now, at this moment, for my lack of time and I don't have a nanny anymore and I have twins and I have to work and all of that. It's really journaling, journaling right now, because I also don't have a lot of people to talk to, right? We are, many of us in the same situation. And that's pretty much how the book came to life. Journaling and writing by hand, because I'm a digital person. I usually do everything on the computer, but for this specifically, I have paper and pen. Wow. And then, yeah, uh, yeah. I make a tea and I kick everyone out of the house if I can, <laughs> if not, block myself somewhere yeah. and for whatever time, 5, 10, 15 minutes, 2 hours, whatever it is, journaling. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, three questions. Uh, before that, um, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? I was going to read a passage of my book and then you, you mentioned it, but it is um, on the final thoughts. And I'm just going to, because it is the story of how uh, how this, you know, my self-care or my awareness of self-care really happened. And so final thoughts, it's in the, it's the last chapter of my book. There was a moment when I questioned my ability to care and love for others. The way I grew up believing was the right way to do so. Through sacrificed, unconditional love. Whatever the heck that means. <laughs> my mother's way of living her dream life and giving it all to her family, her daughters, her husband, was until not long ago something of bittersweet memories. I didn't feel, quote unquote, unconditional gratitude for all the shivering love I received. Somehow it felt suffocating because all best expectations and big realizations were powered onto us daughters. And that makes me believe there was almost no room left for even my mother to build unconditional love for herself from within. And it's very interesting how you bring up the topic of... Um, the guilt trip to gratitude, like having to feel almost obliged to be grateful when you really don't feel like it. That's another interesting subject that I would talk to you for a long time. But for now, 
I'll be asking you. I want to thank you again for the work you do and how you're touching us in so many different ways. To end, I have these three questions. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? Uh, the hardest, it was, it had to do with boundaries. Yeah. It was to learn the middle the middle term between uh, the no health boundaries and like the extreme, which was uh, just shutting off to everything in life. So I learned how to set my limits, my to say my no's, but from a place of love and respect for myself for all this. Two more questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? No. Uh, that was no. quick. <laughs> I, <don't>... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I love that. Life well lived, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love not that. With, not with, uh, without its difficulties, many, many difficulties, many. Yeah things but um we we always see also you know why and we grow from that what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment breathing legacy truth now i don't know if i have to explain them <laughs> <laughs> When you say legacy, I really think about women, really that vision that we can live uh, lives that can leave that trace, that the trail that, to other women, to inspire other women, that they can also be themselves. That's okay to be who they are. Yeah, in trust. Wow, that's to me came across as trusting the universe, trusting God, uh, divine force. Not, I'm not sure if you want to explain what it means to you, but if you if you want to, yes, please do it. I know. I think exactly. Like breathing is the first thing that comes because uh, we can go without food or water or without, you know, even having a, a person there for a few days, right? But we can we can only be without uh, with holding our breath for like maybe a few minutes. The better trained ones, maybe seven minutes or something like that that's it so yeah breath and um legacy is yeah exactly i think your your point there was like really spot on and what i like where we are right now like how much are we carrying from like centuries ago right like and we carrying so we need to think as well like how much from what we are our, our actions right now is going to be carried on and um it's i think i said truth but you got trust but i think they are very connected oh, truth and right. trust right, right no i think it's right there as well you you just you complemented you know um, I think what I meant by truth and trust is just like truth is there. Truth is truth. Doesn't matter if, if it's how I say it, how you perceive it. The truth is the truth. And because there is the truth, we should just trust. 
no mm. fear. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I did um, misheard <laughs> that, but you're okay, right. That <laughs> they do connect. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I, I know we use a lot of words, faith and hope, but trust. It's something. I mean, it's a powerful word. If we can trust the truth, our own truth, then it's yeah. That's called empowerment for sure. Thank you so much again, um, Ellen, for your spontaneity. I love how authentic you are. I love your work. I love your wisdom. I love your presence. It's very playful. Uh, thank you so much for being you. Uh, yeah, thank you for passing that on, the legacy on. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? I make it easy. I am on everything. I'm on all social medias. I am on YouTube. But to make it easy, my website, ellencosta.com. And from there, you will find anything that you might be looking for. Um, yeah, it's www.ellencosta.com. And I'll have the link on your podcast profile, too. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. I really appreciate so much light. This was amazing. It was fun, playful, and deep. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ellen Costa and her work, please visit ellencosta.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.